Hello, this is a special presentation by member-supported Sun Sounds of Arizona. Today we are reading the whistleblower complaint that has captured Washington, D.C.'s and the country's attention. The complaint that has prompted House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi to open an impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. Sun Sounds of Arizona provides audio access to print information to people who cannot read or hold print material due to a disability. If you know others who might appreciate this program, please let them know about Sun Sounds. And if you would like to support this nonprofit service, please go to sunsounds.org and click on the donate button. I'm your Sun Sounds of Arizona volunteer reader, Paul Wyke, and I will be reading the nine and a half page complaint. We will start with a brief introductory article to set the stage. This article is from CNN, and it was published on Thursday, September 26th. The headline is, Whistleblower Says White House Tried to Cover Up Trump's Abuse of Power. It statelined Washington. President Donald Trump abused his official powers to solicit interference from Ukraine in the upcoming 2020 election, and the White House took steps to cover it up, according to a stunning whistleblower complaint released on Thursday. Several White House officials were deeply disturbed by Trump's July 25th phone call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and tried to lock down all records of the phone call, especially the word-for-word transcript produced by the White House, the complaint states. The complaint has been at the center of a controversy that has spurred Democrats to launch a formal impeachment inquiry. The White House on Wednesday also released a rough transcript of the call that shows that Trump repeatedly pressed Ukraine to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. Caving to Democratic demands, the Trump administration let Congress release a declassified version of this complaint one day after releasing the rough transcript of the Trump-Zelensky call. The developments triggered a flood of Democratic lawmakers to publicly support impeachment. Trump has maintained that he did not do anything wrong while simultaneously promoting unfounded conspiracy theories about the Biden's Ukraine and Russian meddling in 2016. There is no evidence of wrongdoing by either Joe or Hunter Biden. And the article does go on, but I think that gives an introduction to the whistleblower complaint, and we are here to read the actual complaint, not an article about it. The complaint is dated August 12th of 2019. It was addressed to the chairpeople of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and the House of Representatives Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. That would be Richard Burr, a Republican, and Adam Schiff, a Democrat, respectively. Here is the whistleblower complaint. Dear Chairman Burr and Chairman Schiff, I am reporting an urgent concern in accordance with the procedures outlined in 50 U.S.C. 3033-K5A. This letter is unclassified when separated from the attachment. In the course of my official duties, I have received information from multiple U.S. government officials that the President of the United States is using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election. This interference includes, among other things, pressuring a foreign country to investigate one of the president's main domestic political rivals. The president's personal lawyer, Mr. Rudolph Giuliani, is a central figure in this effort. Attorney General Barr appears to be involved as well. Over the past four months, more than half a dozen U.S. officials have informed me of various facts related to this effort. 
The information provided herein was relayed to me in the course of official interagency business. It is routine for U.S. officials with responsibility for a particular regional or functional portfolio to share such information with one another in order to inform policymaking and analysis. I was not a direct witness to most of the events described. However, I found my colleagues' accounts of these events to be credible because, in almost all cases, multiple officials recounted fact patterns that were consistent with one another. In addition, a variety of information consistent with these private accounts has been reported publicly. I am deeply concerned that the actions described below constitute a serious or flagrant problem, abuse, or violation of law or executive order, that's in quotes, that, quote, does not include differences of opinions concerning public policy matters, consistent with the definition of an urgent concern in 50 U.S.C. 3033 K5G. I am therefore fulfilling my duty to report this information through proper legal channels to the relevant authorities. I am also concerned that these actions pose risks to U.S. national security and undermine the U.S. government's efforts to deter and counter foreign interference in U.S. elections. To the best of my knowledge, the entirety of this statement is unclassified when separated from the classified enclosure. I have endeavored to apply the classification standards outlined in Executive Order 13526 and to separate out information that I know or have reason to believe is classified for national security purposes. If a classification marking is applied retroactively, I believe it is incumbent upon the classifying authority to explain why such a marking was applied and to which specific information it pertains. Section 1, the July 5th presidential phone call. Early on the morning of 25th of July, the president spoke by telephone with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. I do not know which side initiated the call. This was the first publicly acknowledged call between the two leaders since a brief congratulatory call after Mr. Zelensky won the presidency on April 21. Multiple White House officials with direct knowledge of the call informed me that after an initial exchange of pleasantries, the president used the remainder of the call to advance his personal interests. Namely, he sought to pressure the Ukrainian leader to take actions to help the president's 2020 re-election bid. According to the White House officials who had direct knowledge of the call, the president pressured Mr. Zelensky to, inter alia, one, initiate or continue an investigation into the activities of former Vice President Joseph Biden and his son Hunter Biden, two, assist in purportedly uncovering that allegations of Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election originated in Ukraine, with a specific request that the Ukrainian leader locate and turn over servers used by the Democratic National Committee and examined by the U.S. cybersecurity firm CrowdStrike, which initially reported that Russian hackers had penetrated the DNC's networks in 2016. And three, meet or speak with two people the president named explicitly as his personal envoys on these matters, Mr. Giuliani and Attorney General Barr, to whom the president referred multiple times in tandem. The president also praised Ukraine's prosecutor general, Mr. Yurli Lutsenko, and suggested that Mr. Zelensky might want to keep him in his position. 
In parentheses, note, starting in March of 2019, Mr. Lutsenko made a series of public allegations, many of which he later walked back, about the Biden family's activities in Ukraine, Ukrainian officials' purported involvement in the 2016 U.S. election, and the activities of the U.S. embassy in Kiev. See Part 4 for additional context. That's the end of the parenthetical. The White House officials who told me this information were deeply disturbed by what had transpired in the phone call. They told me that there was already a discussion ongoing with White House lawyers about how to treat the call because of the likelihood in the officials' retelling that they had witnessed the president abuse his office for personal gain. The Ukrainian side was the first to publicly acknowledge this phone call. On the evening of 25th of July, a readout was posted on the website of the Ukrainian president that contained the following line, translated from the original Russian-language readout. And it says, Donald Trump expressed his conviction that the new Ukrainian government will be able to quickly improve Ukraine's image and complete the investigation of corruption cases that have held back cooperation between Ukraine and the United States. End of the quote from the Ukrainian readout. Aside from the above-mentioned cases purportedly dealing with the Biden family and the 2016 U.S. election, I was told by White House officials that no other quote-unquote cases were discussed. Based on my understanding, there were approximately a dozen White House officials who listened to the call, a mixture of policy officials and duty officers in the White House Situation Room, as is customary. The officials I spoke with told me that participation in the call had not been restricted in advance because everyone expected it would be a routine call with a foreign leader. I do not know whether anyone was physically present with the president during the call. In addition to White House personnel, I was told that a State Department official, Mr. T. Ulrich Breekbull, also listened in on the call. Also, I was not the only non-White House official to receive a readout of the call. Based on my understanding, multiple State Department and intelligence community officials were also briefed on the contents of the call as outlined above. Section 2. The Efforts to Restrict Access to Records Related to the Call In the days following the phone call, I learned from multiple U.S. officials that senior White House officials had intervened to quote-unquote lock down all records of the phone call, especially the official word-for-word transcript of the call that was produced, as is customary, by the White House Situation Room. This set of actions underscored to me that White House officials understood the gravity of what had transpired in the call. White House officials told me that they were quote-unquote directed by White House lawyers to remove the electronic transcript from the computer system in which such transcripts are typically stored for coordination, finalization, and distribution to cabinet-level officials. Instead, the transcript was loaded into a separate electronic system that is otherwise used to store and handle classified information of an especially sensitive nature. One White House official described this act as an abuse of this electronic system because the call did not contain anything remotely sensitive from a national security perspective. I do not know whether similar measures were taken to restrict access to other records of the call, such as contemporaneous handwritten notes taken by those who listened in. Section 3, Ongoing Concerns. 
On the 26th of July, a day after the call, U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine negotiations Kurt Volker visited Kiev and met with President Zelensky and a variety of Ukrainian political figures. Ambassador Volker was accompanied in his meetings by U.S. Ambassador to the European Union Gordon Sondland. Based on multiple readouts of these meetings recounted to me by various U.S. officials, Ambassadors Volker and Sondland reportedly provided advice to the Ukrainian leadership about how to quote-unquote navigate the demands that the president had made of Mr. Zelensky. I also learned from multiple U.S. officials that on or about August 2nd, Mr. Giuliani reportedly traveled to Madrid to meet with one of President Zelensky's advisors, Andrei Yermak. The U.S. officials characterized this meeting, which was not reported publicly at the time, as a direct follow-up to the president's call with Mr. Zelensky about the quote-unquote cases they had discussed. Separately, multiple U.S. officials told me that Mr. Giuliani had reportedly privately reached out to a variety of other Zelensky advisors, including Chief of, Stra- Chief of Staff Andrei Bowden and Acting Chairman of the Security Service of Ukraine Ivan Bakanov. I do not know whether those officials met or spoke with Mr. Giuliani, but I was told separately by multiple U.S. officials that Mr. Yermak and Mr. Bakanov intended to travel to Washington in mid-August. On August 9, the president told reporters, quote, I think President Zelensky is going to make a deal with President Putin, and he will be invited to the White House, and we look forward to seeing him. He's already been invited to the White House, and he wants to come, and I think he will. He's a very reasonable guy. He wants to see peace in Ukraine, and I think he will be coming very soon, actually. End of President Trump's quote. Section 4. Circumstances leading up to the July 25th presidential phone call. Beginning in late March of 2019, a series of articles appeared in an online publication called The Hill. In these articles, several Ukrainian officials, most notably Prosecutor General Yuri Lutsenko, made a series of allegations against other Ukrainian officials and current and former U.S. officials. Mr. Lutsenko Lutsenko and his colleagues alleged in Teralia that, one, that they possessed evidence that Ukrainian officials, namely head of the National Anti-Corruption Bureau of Ukraine, Artem Sintik, and member of parliament, Serly Leshenko, had quote-unquote interfered in the 2016 U.S. presidential election, allegedly in collaboration with the DNC and the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. Number two, that the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, specifically U.S. Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch, who had criticized Mr. Lutsenko's organization for its poor record on fighting corruption, had allegedly obstructed Ukrainian law enforcement agencies' pursuit of corruption cases, including by providing a do-not-prosecute list, and had blocked Ukrainian prosecutors from traveling to the United States expressly to prevent them from delivering their quote-unquote evidence about the 2016 U.S. election. And number three, that former Vice President Biden had pressured former Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko in 2016 to fire then-Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin in order to quash a purported criminal probe into Burisma Holdings, a Ukrainian energy company on whose board the former Vice President's son, Hunter, sat. In several public comments, Mr. Lutsenko also stated that he wished to communicate directly with Attorney General Barr on these matters. The allegations by Mr. Lutsenko came on the eve of the first round of Ukraine's presidential election on March 31. 
By that time, Mr. Lutsenko's political patron, President Poroshenko, was trailing Mr. Zelensky in the polls and appeared likely to be defeated. Mr. Zelensky had made known his desire to replace Mr. Lutsenko as prosecutor general. On April 21st, Mr. Poroshenko lost the runoff to Mr. Zelensky by a landslide. And note C enclosure for additional information. It was also publicly reported that Mr. Giuliani had met on at least two occasions with Mr. Lutsenko, once in New York in late January and again in Warsaw in mid-February. In addition, it was publicly reported that Mr. Giuliani had spoken in late 2018 to former Prosecutor General Shokin in a Skype call arranged by two associates of Mr. Giuliani. On April 25th, in an interview with Fox News, the president called Mr. Lutsenko's claims, quote-unquote, big and, quote-unquote, incredible, and stated that the attorney general would want to see this. On or about April 29th, I learned from U.S. officials with direct knowledge of the situation that Ambassador Yovanovitch had been suddenly recalled to Washington by senior State Department officials for quote-unquote consultations and would most likely be removed from her position. Around the same time, I also learned from a U.S. official that quote-unquote associates of Mr. Giuliani were trying to make contact with the incoming Zelensky team. On May 6th, the State Department announced that Ambassador Yovanovitch would be ending her assignment in Kiev, quote-unquote, as planned. However, several U.S. officials told me that, in fact, her tour was curtailed because of pressure stemming from Mr. Lutsenko's allegations. Mr. Giuliani subsequently stated in, in an interview with a Ukrainian journalist published on May 14th that Ambassador Yovanovitch was, quote, removed because she was part of the efforts against the president, close quote. On May 9th, the New York Times reported that Mr. Giuliani planned to travel to Ukraine to press the Ukrainian government to pursue investigations that would help the president in his 2020 re-election bid. In his multitude of public statements leading up to and in the wake of the publication of this article, Mr. Giuliani confirmed that he was focused on encouraging Ukrainian authorities to pursue investigations into alleged Ukrainian interference in the 2016 U.S. election and alleged wrongdoing by the Biden family. On the afternoon of May 10th, the president stated in an interview with Politico that he planned to speak with Mr. Giuliani about the trip. A few hours later, Mr. Giuliani publicly canceled his trip, claiming that Mr. Zelensky was, quote, surrounded by enemies of the U.S. president and of the United States, close quote. The following day, on May 11th, Mr. Lutsenko met for two hours with President-elect Zelensky, according to a public account given several days later by Mr. Lutsenko. Mr. Lutsenko publicly stated that he had told Mr. Zelensky that he wished to remain as prosecutor general. Starting in mid-May, I heard from multiple U.S. officials that they were deeply concerned by what they viewed as Mr. Giuliani's circumvention of national security decision-making processes to engage with Ukrainian officials and relay messages back and forth between Kiev and the president. These officials also told me, one, that State Department officials, including Ambassadors Volker and Sondland, had spoken with Mr. Giuliani in an attempt to quote-unquote contain the damage to U.S. national security, 
and two, that Ambassadors Volker and Sondland during this time period met with members of the new Ukrainian administration and, in addition to discussing policy matters, sought to help Ukrainian leaders understand and respond to the differing messages that they were receiving from official U.S. channels on the one hand and from Mr. Giuliani on the other. During this same time frame, multiple U.S. officials told me that the Ukrainian leadership was led to believe that a meeting or phone call between the president and President Zelensky would depend on whether Zelensky showed willingness to quote-unquote play ball on the issues that had been publicly aired by both Mr. Lutsenko and Mr. Giuliani. In parentheses this note, this was the general understanding of the state of affairs as conveyed to me by U.S. officials from late May into early July. I do not know who delivered this message to the Ukrainian leadership or when. That's the end of the parenthetical. And he also notes see enclosure for additional information. And I should say we don't know if it's a he or a she. Shortly after President Zelensky's inauguration, it was publicly reported that Mr. Giuliani met with two other Ukrainian officials, Ukraine's special anti-corruption prosecutor, Mr. Nazar Kolonitsky, and a former Ukrainian diplomat named Andriy Telezenko. Both Mr. Kolonitsky and Mr. Telzenko are allies of Mr. Lutsenko and made similar allegations in the above-mentioned series of articles in The Hill. On June 13, the president told ABC's George Stephanopoulos that he would accept damaging information on his political rivals from a foreign government. On June 21st, Mr. Giuliani tweeted, New president of Ukraine still silent on investigation of Ukrainian interference in 2016 and the alleged Biden bribery of Poroshenko. Time for leadership and investigate both if you want to purge how Ukraine was abused by Hillary and Clinton people. End of the tweet. In mid-July, I learned of a sudden change of policy with respect to U.S. assistance for Ukraine. And he says, see enclosure, or she says, see enclosure for additional information. And there are parts of the classified appendix also released and unredacted. There are, un, are redacted portions. Let's read the unredacted portions. First, additional information related to Section 2. According to multiple White House officials I spoke with, the transcript of the president's call with President Zelensky was placed into a computer system managed directly by the National Security Council, or the NSC, Directorate for Intelligence Programs. This is a standalone computer system reserved for code word level intelligence information, such as covert action. According to information I received from White House officials, some officials voiced concerns internally that this would be an abuse of the system and was not consistent with the responsibilities of the Directorate for Intelligence Programs. According to White House officials I spoke with, this was not the first time under this administration that a presidential transcript was placed into this code word level system solely for the purpose of protecting politically sensitive rather than national security sensitive information. Here's some additional information related to Section 4 that is unredacted. I would like to expand upon two issues mentioned in Section 4 that might have a connection with the overall effort to pressure the Ukrainian leadership. As I do not know definitively whether the below-mentioned decisions are connected to the broader efforts I describe, I have chosen to include them in the classified annex. If they indeed represent genuine policy deliberations and decisions formulated to advance U.S. foreign policy and national security, one might be able to make a reasonable case that the facts are classified.
And here is one of, or, or two, three of, yeah, two or three. It depends on where the uh, redaction was. I think it's two different points that he's making here or she's making. I learned from U.S. officials that on or around May 14th, the president instructed Vice President Pence to cancel his planned travel to Ukraine to attend President Zelensky's inauguration on May 20th. Secretary of Energy Rick Perry led the delegation instead. According to these officials, it was also made clear to them that the president did not want to meet with Mr. Zelensky until he saw how Zelensky, quote, chose to act, close quote, in office. I do not know how this guidance was communicated or by whom. I also do not know whether this action was connected with the broader understanding, described in the unclassified letter, that a meeting or phone call between the president and President Zelensky would depend on whether Zelensky showed willingness to play ball on the issues that had been publicly aired by Mr. Lutsenko and by Mr. Giuliani. And point two, on July 18th, an Office of Management and Budget, or OMB, official informed departments and agencies that the president earlier that month, earlier in July, had issued instructions to suspend all U.S. security assistance to Ukraine. Neither OMB nor the NSC staff knew why this instruction had been issued. During interagency meetings on July 23rd and July 26th, OMB officials again stated explicitly that the instruction to suspend this assistance had come directly from the president, but they still were unaware of a policy rationale. As of early August, I heard from U.S. officials that some Ukrainian officials were aware that U.S. aid might be in jeopardy, but I do not know how or when they learned of it. And that is the end of the whistleblower complaint. It was dated August 12th. It was addressed to the chairman of the Senate and the House of Representatives Committees on Intelligence. And that concludes our presentation, our special presentation of the whistleblower complaint, which has prompted the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. Sun Sounds of Arizona provides audio access to print information to people who cannot read or hold print material due to a disability. If you know others who might appreciate this program, please let them know about Sun Sounds of Arizona. And if you would like to support this nonprofit service, please go to sunsounds.org and click on the donate button. I'm your Sun Sounds of Arizona volunteer reader, Paul Wyke. Normally, I read the new program, AZ Law, as well as the New Times. Thank you for joining us for this special presentation here on member-supported Sun Sounds of Arizona. Mm-hmm.